Welcome to the Turning Point Show, where we pull back the curtain on high-performance individuals. Here's your host, Andrew O'Malley. I'm delighted to welcome Pat Tilley onto the show today. Pat is an Irish fitness expert, author and entrepreneur. I was first introduced to Pat when I attended an event at uh, the Mansion House last year in Dublin. And, uh, you know, I really enjoyed what he had to say. And I suppose ever since then, I've followed what, what Pat's been doing. And you, you never know what Pat's going to get up to recently. I know Climb Kilimanjaro and, you know, he's always involved with fundraising for different great causes. So uh, um, he has a great story as well. So I'm delighted to have Pat on the show today. So uh, thanks for joining me today, Pat. Thanks for meeting Andy. Appreciate it. Uh, so I suppose just to begin, if you want to give listeners a bit of background about yourself and kind of uh, your story of how you got started in fitness in the beginning and I suppose your journey since then. Sure. I'll try to go through it fairly fast, not to bore people, but um, always had a passion for health and wellness and that was kind of all I ever wanted to do from 10, 11, 12, probably as young as then. Um I think I was bullied a little bit when I was younger and getting into martial arts and weight training when I was young was the first thing that gave me real confidence. So I just fell in love with it and I, I immersed myself in books about training and nutrition and I did weeks of work experience throughout school and the gym, you know, any excuse to get to the gym throughout school. So when I came to the end of school, the logical thing to do would have been to study sports science or physiotherapy or something in that field. And that's what everyone thought I was going to do. But I had told myself for six years that I wasn't academic, I wasn't clever, I wasn't smart, and there was no way I was going to get the points that I needed to, to go and do something like that. So ultimately I ended up doing geography and economics, which I had no interest in, uh, but it was an arts degree that was a couple hours a week, and I got to DOS and probably lost my way a little bit in college. But the one thing that kept me sane was I'd go to the States every summer and train in cage fighting or mixed martial arts. This has gone back to 2009, 2010. Um, and out there in California, I just saw what was going on with the fitness industry. They were looking at kettlebells and functional training and all this stuff that hadn't kicked off at home yet. And it gave me a glimmer of hope, I suppose, that I could pursue something like that and get back into fitness. So came home, uh, finished out my degree, got qualified as a personal trainer on the side, went and did a master's in nutrition in England. And uh, then I came out of college at the worst of the recession and started working in different commercial gyms. So I was you know, grateful to have work, but... Uh, wasn't suited to working for other people. I'm very unemployable. Uh, I'm honest and I'll tell people what I think. And I got into fitness because I want to help people. And I just found the commercial gym setup was not set up to make people succeed. And so ended up getting let go from a couple of gyms when I was living in Dublin and had to go out on my own, which was at the time something I was excited by. But looking back, I just wasn't ready. And I wanted to have success before I did the work. Um, so rather than focusing on getting a couple of clients and doing a great job with them I was just dreaming too far into the future and thinking of what it was going to be like having 100 clients and you know not making any progress so ultimately ended up working a clothes shop full-time and pretending to my friends back home that I was working as a trainer um, and had to come home then Christmas Eve 2011 um, tail between my legs back to Galway having failed with my dream um, and a lot of people kind of wonder why I had such a low point coming back having failed because they say look everyone's been 24 and had to move back home and not had any money but I had just told the world that I was going to go to Dublin and, and achieve something so going back on my tail between my legs was difficult and I went back got work in a pizza restaurant uh, tried to figure out my next move and uh, something prompted me to try fitness one last time and I went at it a different angle so I had always done one-to-one -one training and 
kind of being the guy that counts reps and tells people about sit-ups and broccoli and that was the that was the extent of it and now having gone through I suppose six seven months I've really been in a dark place myself I recognized that the clients that were going to come to me it wasn't really about fitness it was just an escape or it was somewhere they could go and and um, relieve their stress or get away from maybe stresses at home or in the workplace and say look I'm coming out of from an empathetic place now where I want to be the best part of these people's day started a little class here in the local beach with five people uh, within three months there's 100 people coming to the beach every day and uh, fast forward kind of five years I've had over 20,000 people go through online courses that are put together done three best-selling books um, brought massive teams to mud runs we bought 550 people to talk mother two years ago raised a quarter of a million for charity so done loads of cool stuff but it's all been around the idea of giving people a sense of belief and belonging so making people believe in themselves making people feel a part of something and I suppose in the last year, I've moved a lot more toward personal development and trying to instill success rituals in people and kind of show them what's possible. So everything I do is based around belief and belonging. Yeah, I, I suppose, yeah, no, it is a great story. And uh, that's the story in itself gives a lot of people a belief that you started from, uh, as you said, uh, just a handful of clients on a beach, you know, with no equipment, just a few cones or whatever, that anyone can really um, do that. And obviously, instead of looking where you are now, which is a long way down the road, that uh, can give a lot of people a lot of belief and encouragement in what they're trying to pursue. So, just moving on a bit uh, now. So, I suppose, touch on that point. I know you talk about it a bit about the domino effect and kind of doing the little things each day that add, add up. Um, is that been something that you, you've you seen kind of success with when you're trying to implement habits into your own life or clients or uh, trying to develop, you know, new he- eating habits or whatever it may be? Yeah, it, it applies to everything and I've seen it, you know, in retrospect, when I look back to my Dublin days where I failed with those businesses, again, I was so caught up in I want to be successful and I want to have hundreds of clients and I want to be the celebrity trainer I was so caught up in that vision and I'm all about having a vision, but the vision never happens unless you start doing the work consistently day to day. And the analogy I use now is that if I'm going to climb Everest, I can just be fixated on the top and imagine that I'm going to jump there by accident and land on the top by accident. Or I can put my head down and I can be miserable climbing up and and just get to the top and be like, oh, is this all that I climbed for? Or I can start to enjoy the process and I can see Everest is the end, my, my end goal. It's my result that I want. But whilst I walk up Everest, I can take sights of the view, you know, look, look at the views, the beautiful views, talk to the people, talk to the locals, appreciate the moments. And that's how I approach goal setting now is that it's great to have a vision, but don't, you know, I always put my happiness in the future. And I said, I'm going to be happy when I have 100 clients. I'm going to be confident when I have 100 people coming to my talks. And, and that's not how it works. Um, you don't suddenly wake up one day with results. You've you got to do small, consistent things uh, again and again and again and again and it's not sexy uh, it's not stylish um, but it's reality you know anyone you see that's doing well with anything just gets up every day stays consistent takes daily action has good days and bad days but takes action irrespective of how they feel and eventually the results start to come and when the results start to come you get more momentum you get more self-belief the self-belief comes again from the, the actions the confidence comes from the actions but a lot of us kind of tell ourselves I'll wait till I'm confident and then I'm going to do it. It's the other way around. The confidence comes from doing the work. So I'm all about small, consistent daily actions. And um, that's what creates change in, in health, in relationships, in in everything. Yeah. Well, one of the things you touched upon there briefly was probably the main thing I took away from when I heard you speak last year in the Mansion House was uh, 
you know, not waiting for permission to do something that, uh, you know, you have to just give yourself the permission and just do it rather than uh, waiting for people to, as as you said, uh, give you permission to become a leader and that you just have to take it on to yourself to, to kind of get going. And uh, if you want to touch upon that that briefly, um, that point of uh, what, you're, what you meant by saying that. Yeah, I think... You know, I came into the fitness industry at 18, 19, 20, and I always had other people on pedestals in different areas of life. And I thought, okay, well, that guy can be on the TV because he was obviously born to be on the TV or that girl can bring out a book because obviously she's just a natural at that. Oh, this guy's a natural public speaker. That guy's got great genetics. So he looks like that naturally. I had all these stories and I had all these people on pedestals. And what I've recognized is that you have to give yourself permission to do the things that you, want, you want in life because anyone that's doing well has just given themselves permission and, and, and started taking those small daily actions. So we live in this crazy time where if you want your own TV show, you just get a camera and you start putting stuff on YouTube. If you want your own radio show, you just start doing a podcast like you're doing here. If you want to be a writer, you used to have to get a job at the newspaper. You used to have to get a publisher and now you can put it on a blog. Everything is accessible to us, but the thing that's holding people back is this fear of judgment. What if I put myself out there and people don't like me? What if I'm not good enough? What if I'm this, that, and the other? It's the biggest thing that holds us back in life. And ironically, you know, I recognize now that the thing that held me back from doing everything I ever dreamed of was my fear of what other people would think of me. So in one way, I wanted to stand out and be something special. But on the flip side, the most scary thing in the world is to stand out because what if I stand out and people say, well, Who's he to think he can do that? Who's she to think he can do that? Reality is we're all going to be dead 20, 30, 40 years down the line. Maybe a bit longer, hopefully. But you know, we, we do live in this exciting time. And I think it's such a shame. And I just look, I'm 29 now. I probably started really living at 24, 25. And I'm constantly peeling back the layers of wearing masks because we all wear masks. We all want to fit in. And my main mission now for myself in life is just how can I show up more authentically as me? How can I be uh, 100% comfortable with who I am and put myself out there and not having to put on a show for anyone, just being true to myself, scariest thing in the world. But again, the one thing that will hold you back from everything that you want in life is your need for approval, your need to fit in, your need for people to tell you're good enough. Um, you need to get over that. And, and for me, that was a case of just saying, it, it came to me that I was in a desperate time where everything had gone wrong. I was lost. I was hopeless. So I had nothing to lose. And it was like, okay, I have to put myself out there. I'm petrified of public speaking, but I'm going to go and speak because if I don't, I'm going to be stuck where I am. I'm petrified of even teaching a fitness class because I've got no confidence. But if I don't go and do it, I'm going to be stuck in this hole, stuck in this rut. So for other people, I would say, you know, don't let yourself get to that point where it's a, a case of desperation. Try to do it from a place of inspiration. What do you want your life to be about? How does your work or how does how you put yourself out there tie into that? And how can you start taking those steps? Yeah, no, that's a really great answer. It's a... Uh... You know, I know I, I got a lot out of that when I first heard you last last year and I was probably reinforcing a few things now in my head. Um, I Funnily, I wrote that speech that day because I was... Uh, I, I remember writing the speech on the bus, I think, up to Dublin that day. It was like a new speech and I was like, you know, speaking with Gary Vaynerchuk, who's a hero of mine. And again, that brings about fear. And I had said to the organizer, can I speak just before Gary? Because there was a couple of warm-up speakers. And then I, I was ringing him. I was about to ring him and say, actually, can I go first so I don't have to be nervous all day? But I said, screw it. I need to step up myself. And the three team, themes of that talk, it's up on YouTube, was stop waiting for perfect because we're all waiting for the perfect time, the perfect product, the perfect service, the perfect body, the perfect relationship. There's no such thing as perfect. So stop waiting for perfect. Stop waiting for permission and step up and be the leader of your own life because 
you know, people are thinking that once, that was my story for a long time. When I have 100,000 followers on Facebook, then I'm going to be a leader. Then I'm going to be the fitness guy. You're never going to get the 100,000 followers if you don't start doing the things now that that person would do. Hmm. So think of who you want to be and start taking the actions accordingly. So, so as you touched upon there, uh, you used to have, you're a bit hesitant maybe about doing public speaking. And since then, you've obviously had a, uh, TEDx talk and you speak at all these events I actually as you said uh, the leading social event I was referring to that's on your YouTube channel is a Pat Dively on YouTube so definitely check that out uh, if you're listening um, then I saw you're on the Late Late Show recently as well so how did you overcome maybe if you had a fear of speaking and you know develop that skill to where it is now at this point in time the speaking thing came about that I was offered to go and talk at an event and again it petrified me because I'd never spoke publicly in that capacity before and people thought oh you've taught fitness classes so it's the same thing but when you're teaching a fitness class you can and um, you can place the faith in the exercises if the exercises are good the class is going to be good if my energy is good the class is going to be good when you speak on a stage you're going up and you're speaking from the heart and you're saying things that again is putting you in a place where people can say this guy's crazy this guy's up himself this guy doesn't have a clue what he's talking about, you know, all these fear of judgments. So for me, scariest thing in the world, but I have recognized over time that look, when you go and do things that scare you, you grow. When you do things that you've never done before, you grow. When you stay in your comfort zone, nothing changes. And the magic happens when we do something new. So I started doing public speaking engagements. The first few were horrible. The next few were horrible. The next few were probably horrible. Um, but over time, I became more comfortable. And it's been an interesting um transition and dynamic in that my first I would say 100 I did 100 talks in a year um, for free to get good at public speaking uh, most of the, well I say 100 I did 81 I hit 81 100 was the goal um, but free talks up and down the country colleges schools companies I ended up speaking in some old woman's shed in Roscommon uh, she told me she had a gym there was no gym um, I did every kind of public speaking engagement for free just to get better and my whole ethos is 1% better every day small compound changes but back then my whole uh, talk was about my slideshow and it was okay I can fall back on the slideshow I can fall back on a couple of funny slides I can fall back on all this stuff whereas the transition the last year or two has been get rid of the slideshow get rid of any theatrics just get up and speak from the heart don't even plan the talk some of the time just get up and, and, and speak and, and share who I am because when you get up and you're all about your slideshow and your content and you know everything else sometimes you're saying okay I'm scared to share who I am so I'll just use a slideshow because that keeps me safe. When you get up and you don't really have anything prepared and you just start speaking from the heart, it's the scariest thing in the world because you think, what if I stand up and nothing comes out? Um, what if I sit with you for a coffee? I'm never, you know, we're never going to go silent. You know, there's always going to be a bit of conversation there because I'll just be me. Um, but suddenly people are afraid to be themselves when it's in front of a room. And it is the scariest thing in the world, but I've done it enough times now to know that I'm not going to die. Worst case scenario, I'm going to piss a few people off or, or agitate a few people, but... It's all good. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it's funny. I think it's uh, the number one fear people have. There's some studios, yeah, public speaking, and then number two was death. So it's uh, it's funny. I know how much people do. I know myself. I wouldn't be the biggest uh, fan of public speaking, but I suppose it's just as you did. Is just practice, practice, practice. You know, doing week on week, day on day, um, and eventually, you know, you're going to become comfortable. So everyone has to start from somewhere. So moving on a bit, uh, you talked about, I suppose. Uh, having the right mindset and kind of 
uh, not letting yourself kind of give in to your fears. Social media is something that I, I think on both ends of the spectrum, you know, it can be very positive, very negative. Because I suppose a lot of people on the negative side of things can see people and compare themselves uh, to people who are like way down their, their own journey. Um, whereas it's also a great platform to kind of spread your message or kind of get started and um, build a community from there. So h- how did you transition from uh, having your clients in Galway on the beach and uh, doing that type of work to expanding online and you know building your social media presence to where you had thousands uh, of clients all over the world through your online social media efforts? My initial... Um you know, I was reading a lot of books about business and modern day business and social media and stuff like Gary Vaynerchuk's books. And the big message that was in them throughout was that you have to add value first. Um, so the way I looked at it was when I open up my local newspaper, there's 20 ads for different gyms and they're all advertising the fact that they've got a sauna or they're advertising the fact that they're cheap or they're advertising the fact that they've got new equipment or that they've got, I don't know, yoga classes, whatever it is. None of them are advertising what they can offer people and the result that they can give to people. None of them are offering any value in the terms of like, here's something that can help you. So my initial plan was, okay, I give away free nutrition plans. I give away free um, eBooks, free cookbooks. I give away free video series. I give, did free webinars, a lot of free stuff back in the day. And what it did was it showed people, here's a guy uh, that knows what he's talking about. Uh, here's a guy that's added some value without me having to give him any money. I don't need a trainer right now, but when I do, I'm going to go back to this guy. Um, that was the starting point. Um, I shared my, my clients' results because everything in the fitness industry needs to be based around results because I can have all the degrees in the world, but if I can't get my clients to drop some weight, it's no good. So I was getting some great results from Galway, sharing the before and after pictures. And I started getting messages abroad from people that kind of said, look, I immigrated. Um, I'm not in Galway anymore, but I'd love to get involved. And I just said, look, I can put this thing online. So started filming videos, started putting recipes together and put together an online course. And I'm not very techie, so it was never pretty. It was Word documents and YouTube videos. And, you know, I met so many trainers that said, oh, I've been two years working on putting together my online course. I said, I'll put my, put my online course together in, in two hours. And uh, I put it out there and I learned what worked and I learned what didn't work and I re- refined it for the last two years. Um, but again, that's the perfection thing. A lot of people say, when my website's perfect, then I'll put myself out there. When my podcast has the best microphone that I can ever get, then I'll start recording it. Uh, you start where you are and you do what you can and then you refine as you go. Um, but that was the process, add value. And I just asked myself, who's following me? Um, a lot of my clients are female, 25 to 45. What do they struggle with? Um, confidence. They struggle with maybe wanting to lose a bit of belly fat, maybe wanting to lose the bingo wings, maybe wanting to improve their sleep. And then how can I help them with those issues without even asking them for money? I can do an article on sleep. I can film a couple of videos on how to drop belly fat and I can do this. And then instinctively, I'm going to be the guy that people come to if they resonate with me and they enjoy the content. So that's, that's my, my, my idea. Add value before someone even gives you money. Get their trust and, and show them that what you know and uh, a certain percentage will come back. Yeah, definitely. It's it's just like comes back to word of mouth again, just on a broader scale where, yeah, you're building that trust with someone, as you said. So, um, no, definitely that was a great, great approach to take and obviously yield a great results. Um, just moving on a bit. Um, so you had a, a bit of a funny story about uh, was writing one of your books. Is it three? You have three books uh, at yeah. the moment, but um, was it that you, you agreed to write the book and you didn't know if, if you'd... 
um, or if you there's a story behind it. I don't remember the exact specifics, but uh, that you committed to writing the book before you kind of believed maybe that you could could do a book in a certain amount of time. Or no, sorry, that was it. Yeah, you, you had a certain deadline about writing your book, and you had to get it done. If you want to briefly touch upon that. Yeah, so what had happened was that my, my fitness classes were going well in Galway. I built up a bit of an international um, profile on social media. This has gone back probably four years. And I think I had 20,000 followers or something at the time. So I put up a post and I said, I've just finished my first book. Would anyone know a publisher that might speak to me? And I thought 20,000 people will see this. Surely someone knows a publisher. And someone sent me up with a publisher, Blackwater Press. And I went to Atham Rye and I met this publisher for a coffee. And he says, tell me about the book. And I had no book. I hadn't started a book. I says, oh, it's a you know, fitness guide, nutrition, and you know, it's going to help people. He's like, okay, what stage is the book at? And I says, uh, just a few photos to fill in the blanks, and, and then we'll be good to go. So he's like, okay, you seem popular from social media. This is where it's at now. I'll get you a contract. So he sends me a contract, and I've got three weeks to get this book written and photos done and everything put together. And uh, sure enough, got the book done. We released it. Uh, he took a chance on me because I wasn't that well known. And um, it ended up being the top selling health and wellness book in the country that year. We did a second book with that publisher and a third book with an English publisher. But, you know, that's kind of how I operate. And as I've grown in business, I'm probably a bit more strategic now. I don't do things as off the cuff because you've got to be thinking a bit more strategically as to, okay, how does this tie into the bigger picture? But when I was starting off, it was, okay, I'm going to run an online course on Monday, sign up here. If I got a certain amount of sign-ups, I put the course together. If I didn't get any sign-ups, I wasn't going to put the course together. Um, and I see that with a lot of people. They spend their whole life working on a product or a service or a book that the marketplace doesn't want. So I think you need to look at your market first and say, what do these people need and want? Then you put it together and then you sell, as opposed to you trying to read people's minds as to what they need or want. Um, I get people coming to me with, oh, here's my business idea. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And I've built this website for a hundred grand. And I'm like, no one's going to buy that. Like no one needs that. You can tweak this, 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 and this, but go back to your customer, figure out what they need. And then just fill that gap rather than, um, you know, when we're so close to what we do and we love what we do, it's very easy for us to become infatuated with the new scientific model for nutrition or training or whatever it is. But the reality is people just want to lose fat build a bit of muscle, yeah. feel confident, sleep well. Um, so it always comes back to that, you know, and it's back to basics. Yeah, no, it's uh, something I think you talked about. It was about obviously giving that value of the information for free, but what people pay for is the accountability that comes with it. Because I think, like everyone, there's so much information out there today that like a lot of people know what they have to do, whether it's how to lose weight or whatever, but it's all about staying accountable to uh to the diet or to the fitness program so i think that's that's massive there and as you said that people uh take a long time to kind of execute on things and i suppose that comes down to just not getting started or procrastination you seem to kind of uh be good for good for that so how, do you have any advice for people on how to deal with procrastination and how to get things done yeah, so procrastination in many ways is fear. Um, we're avoiding doing what we know we need to do because of the results it's going to give us. So maybe I'm avoiding working on a new online course or something that puts me out there because the fear behind it is that if I put myself out there, people are going to judge me. So it's fear disguised in different ways. And the way I look at all fear is that if I walk up a diving board and I stand at the top of the diving board and jump straight away, I get a result. It's good or it's bad. If I walk up the diving board and I stand there for 10 minutes 
my mind starts to give me five reasons, 10 reasons, 15 reasons, 20 reasons why I shouldn't jump. So I'm up there for 10 minutes. I've got all these reasons and I start, these reasons are going around in my head about don't jump because there's going to be sharks in the water, even though I'm in Galway. And, you know, it's not that deep, even though I can't see the bottom and there's other people jumping around me, but you know, I'm, I can't swim as good at all these stories. And the longer I stand there, the scarier it gets. Same thing in a pub. If you see someone of the opposite sex you want to go and talk to, if you go up and talk to them and say hello, it's fine. But if you stand there and you're like, what if they reject me? Or what if they don't like my shirt? Or what if they think I'm funny looking? Or what if they, you know, get offended by me saying hello to them? You start building all these horror stories about what's going to go wrong. That's what fear is. That's what procrastination is. The longer you wait, the harder it gets because your brain starts giving you a million reasons why you shouldn't do things. One of the biggest things I've learned is that I, be, I believe in mindset and I'm a big fan of mindset and I talk about mindset, but mindset can screw us over in some ways that my heart can tell me that I don't like my job anymore. I'm not happy in my relationship anymore. I'm not feeling my gym program anymore. All these things, my, my heart can tell me that. There's just a feeling I got. I'm not energized by it anymore. It drains me. It makes me feel crappy. But then my head comes in and my head gives me a hundred reasons to stay where I am because it wants to keep me safe. So I'm not happy in my job anymore. And then my head comes in and says, well, you got a family to support and you earn this much money. And if you walk away, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going So the longer we wait in life, the bigger the fear gets, the noisier the, the mind gets. And sometimes you have to quiet in your mind and listen to the heart. But most people let the noise in their mind get so high that the heart is silenced and we never take action on the things that truly matter. Well, hope that helps. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely something I suppose everyone struggles with in some form, and I'm sure that uh, you still in some some ways do it. I think uh, there's a great book by Stephen Pressfield, uh, The War of Irish, that he talks about how it's uh, something kind of on a daily basis that you have to fight against Mr. Resistance or whatever. So I suppose it's an ongoing battle, but no, that's that some good advice there. Definitely take some value out of that. Um, I suppose moving on into the future, um, do you, so obviously you said in the last year or so you transitioned more to the kind of health, wellness, or self improvement and holistic approach. Um, do you have any idea of maybe three, four, or five years down the line where you want to be? Is it doing the same type of work, or do you have a vision of something else down the line? Yeah, I don't know what it's going to become. I, I think those two words that I mentioned at the start of belief and belonging are two pivotal words for me and everything that I do. So. That started as fitness classes and then it became seminars and online courses and books. And But everything is centered around that idea. Like I want to make the person in front of me believe they can do things they don't think they can do. I want to make the person in front of me feel like they belong to something because it's a lonely and isolated world for a lot of people where social media has made the world less social than it's ever been before. A lot of people feel isolated, feel alone, feel like they can't do things. So I want to put that sense of belief and belonging in people. And you know, from a selfish perspective, I want to travel the world. I want to climb mountains. I want to train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I want to have adventures and I want a job that's going to support that. So online businesses is a way that I can do that. Seminars and retreats allow me to travel. To So that's what I want to do the next couple of years before I start a family and stuff is see the whole world, climb all the high mountains, uh, do loads of Jiu-Jitsu and uh, just enjoy my work and, you know, have close relationships and have good health. So I don't have any, you know, when I was younger, everything was about I want the late, late show or I want the best-selling book or I want this, that, the other. I'm a bit more vague now, which is kind of ironic for the guy that's the clarity guy. But um, as long as I can instill belief and belonging pe in people 
and have the kind of lifestyle rather than the kind of money that I used to think I wanted, have the lifestyle that I want and the freedom that I want and have the relationships and the health that I want, then that's me. And uh, God knows what I'll be doing in a couple of years. Yeah, I suppose it is a very tough question. I, it's about five years ago, if uh, you look back to where you were five years ago or say myself, like you'd be, I, I say we wouldn't... Uh, envisioned that you'd be kind of where you are now that type of thing well maybe you would but you know it's it's like a meandering path you know a lot of turning points along the way that's you never know where you're going to end up in even two three months rather than two three years so it is a bit of a load of question in that sense but it was funny i um when i lived in dublin i bought a couple of whiteboards and i've still got big whiteboards here in front of me in the room where i write my goals and write my ambitions and my targets and stuff like that so I remember writing my monthly income targets when I was working in the clothes shop and I said that I want to earn, I think it was a thousand a week was my ultimate ambition, what I ever wanted to earn. And I wrote it down thinking, this is crazy. It's never going to happen, but I write it anyway. And I wrote it in permanent marker instead of whiteboard marker by accident. So I just turned the whiteboard around and used the other side. But then when I moved back to Galway, I brought the whiteboard back and I left it at my parents' house. And like three years on, four years on, I found that. And what I had said that I wanted to do in a year that was completely unrealistic, I had done in a month. Um, so, yeah, exactly that. You know, if you're constantly doing the day-to-day, sometimes if we're so focused on, oh, I want to achieve this, like we spend too much time thinking about that rather than how do I get a little bit better today than I was yesterday. And if you get a little bit better every day, 365 days in a year, you're a very different person. Your ambitions are going to be very different a year from now than what they were. So I'm just about like how can I expand every day? Oh, definitely, yeah. No, that's something I suppose I kind of forget about sometimes is that you kind of, yeah, you look too far in the distance, but it's all about that day day in, day out, daily process. That's what, you know, anyone who's successful does is doing the small things well each day. Um, something that's become a lot more relevant in the last maybe two to three years, and I know that uh, Tim Ferriss had a recent book there where he, he it was like a compilation of his podcast guests and it was a common trend of about 80% of them uh, took part in some form of daily meditation. So I know this is something that you, you've got a bit of an interest in. If um, Maybe if you want to expand a bit on how meditation has helped you and kind of what your uh, meditation practice looks like. Yeah, I'm, I'm prone to anxiety. So anxiety just comes up for me out of nowhere at random times. And, you know, I've done loads of different things to try manage it as best I can. And it's something that just, it's, I think it's going to be there for a long time, but I just can only do what I can do. So like, don't drink alcohol anymore. Train consistently, obviously. Um, try to look after diet and all the, the things you would regularly hear. Meditation is something, um, I'm not massively consistent with like, traditional standard meditation but the two things that i do do consistently are one like morning walks just without any distraction just go for a walk and get some headspace and it doesn't have to be anything crazy like 20 minute walk uh, without an ipod without any distraction just go grab a coffee and get that in before i i turn on my phone before i turn on my laptop where suddenly i'm in the comparison game i think you touched on this earlier with social media social media can be a curse because we're looking at everyone else's perfect lives even though they're not perfect and suddenly we're jumping through. So you could be happy as anything. Like I could be delighted with my life and then I turn on social media and someone's got something better than me and suddenly I diminish how I feel about myself. So I think it's important to take control of the morning. The second thing I do is I journal every day and journaling is just the idea of um, getting your thoughts on paper, getting them out of your head and onto paper and um, 
for me, another thing with the comparison game to think about is the reason a lot of people are comparing themselves to what they see on Instagram is because they've never thought about what they want for their own life. They've never got a pen and paper out and said, this is what I want to achieve in 12 months. And it's easier to be distracted by the noise and to look at other people's social media than it is to slow down and actually listen to your own heart. Because if you listen, if you slow down and you turn off the noise in your head and you kind of let your heart guide you and it says, okay, well, maybe you need to change your job. Like that's scary because it requires a big change. It's easier to go on Instagram and say, oh, well, Conor McGregor's got the perfect life and this one's got the perfect life. This, it might be the perfect life to them because they've decided that's what they want. But you haven't decided. It's indecision that has made you say, I just want what they have because they seem happy. But what someone else has is never going to make you happy because they're not you. You're an individual and you need to slow down. So for me, the journaling process, okay, what do I want in the next 12 months with my health? What do I want in the next 12 months with my relationships? What is not working in my current work and how can I change that? Just simple questions and uh, getting honest with yourself because that's how change happens is like, what do I want? It's my life. Um, and I can spend my whole life looking at other people and convincing myself that they've got it sussed. Um, I can sit down with Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Oprah, Richard Branson, all these people can sit around a round table and I can say, these are my problems and think that they'll have the answers, but no one's ever going to have the answers for my problems, my life, my ambitions, my dreams, my goals, except for me. And people diminish their voice and they say, my voice doesn't matter. So to me, meditation is listening to your inner voice and like slowing down and, and taking time for that. So it's funny, as I listen to you speak, you know, I kind of get a bit lost in my own thoughts like about what you're you're speaking about. And I, I forget that I'm supposed to ask you another question now. So uh, no, it's, uh, you, you have it a certain way yeah, no, of articulating it that's it's very good and, I don't know, it'll just trigger something and that it gets people thinking. And I know for me, the going for walks as well without any distractions, it's funny that all my kind of like best ideas or if I have a problem that they always seem to get magically solved or I come up with different solutions when you're, just, you're out on your own, no distractions, no iPod, as you said. And it's funny how like something like that is we take for granted now in this day and age. Um, There's something, something that I kind of touch on that I don't know if it makes sense to people, but... I think if you want a good relationship with your partner or your family or anyone in life, you need to spend time with them. You need to be present with them. You need to ask them questions that deepen the conversation and aren't just surface level. And you need to be honest with them. So then like, okay, I want a great relationship with myself. Do I take time for myself? Am I present with myself? Do I ask myself challenging questions that force me to look deeper at my life? And do I be honest with myself or do I lie? Do I say yes to things I don't want to do because I'm afraid that people aren't going to like me if I don't? Because if you say yes to other people and you jump through everyone else's hoops so that you're accepted and liked, it's all well and good at being accepted and liked. But if you say yes to them at the expense of saying no to yourself and what you actually want to do, then people wonder why their confidence has dropped. You got to start giving up this need for everyone to like you. because It's never going to happen. And, you know, it's, 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 a, it's more, and I say it, I make it sound like it's easy. That's the most difficult thing in the world. And I think I'll probably struggle with it more than a lot of people do. Because I see a lot of people that seem to just have always been comfortable going and marching to the beat of their own drum. I've had to learn it the last couple of years. And um, it's a scary process, but it's, it's very fulfilling and rewarding. Definitely. And I think, as you said, writing things down as well, writing uh, really has a powerful effect as well. That you can visually kind of see on paper, you know, what you need to do on a daily basis or your vision you have. Um, that was a great answer. So I'll just move into a few quick fire questions now. Um, so are there a few books that you recommend a lot to people to read, uh, no matter what uh, genre it may be? 
apart from maybe your own books, you have you have a few a few of your own books. Yeah, and um, looking here at bookshelves, um, the strangest secret that I've got the record here behind me. It's, it's the first book that founded the personal development industry by a guy called Earl Nightingale. It's like the book The Secret, but it was written back in the fifties. So it's really simple. He says things like. Um, what you think about comes about in your life, so focus on the positive. He says, when you find yourself um, confused as to what to do next, just do the opposite of what most people are doing, and you'll do all right. And he says, you know, add value to the marketplace if you want to make more money. Those are the kind of simple principles. So I like The Stranger's Secret. Um, I like Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And then different genres. I like Into the Wild and Into Thin Air by John Cracker. They're kind of adventure books, which... Uh, Into the Wild is a really cool book. It's about kind of going against conformity and, and blazing your own path. And, and there's a film on that as well. And, and uh, I like that, Into the Wild. And uh, oh, so many books. Yeah, I think you'll grow rich, Stranger Secret, Into the Wild, Into Thin Air will be four of my favorites. Yeah, that's it. There are so many books. That it's, uh, it's, it is hard to, to p- pick a handful of them. Um, are there any people you'd kind of consume their content on a regular basis, whether it's through podcasts or YouTube channels, um, that type of thing? Um, I like Elliot Holtz. I don't know if you know Elliot Holtz. Oh, oh yeah, I do. Um, he, he's been good to follow because he's a guy that's transitioned from, and I watch his videos. He used to be the fitness guy and the strength guy. And he's a guy who really listens to the inner voice and listens to the heart. So the obvious thing for him to do is stay in fitness because it's making money and it's it's very it appeals to everyone, fitness. But he's gone the spiritual route and he's taken on different things that he's that have benefited his life and he's putting himself out there in that regard. And I look on his YouTube channel, it's a lot of guys saying, just stick to the fitness stuff, start talking about this airy fairy stuff. But he's done posts about it and he said, Look, I'm gonna talk about the stuff that appeals to me and resonates with me and has helped me and if you don't enjoy it, go follow someone else. So I like his uh, his courage in that regard. He's a leader because he's mm-hmm. someone needs to step up and talk about things before they become mainstream. And then obviously everyone comes and talks about things. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, that, I suppose it gives uh, people like they respect him for that. Whereas a lot of people in kind of say YouTube and the fitness space that they can be a lot very artificial and kind of um, kind of stick to things that are just kind of for their own benefit rather than uh, kind of going with their heart and that, that type of thing. So um, just moving on now to the next question. This is always a, a tough one. Um, who are three people alive or dead you'd love to have dinner with? Ooh. Uh, just three people. Jeez. It's a, <laughs> it's a tough one. I know it's not a quick fire question, really. So maybe two, two of my granddads, my, both my granddads passed when I was a toddler. So I never got to know them. That would be quite cool to ask them about my parents and stuff when they were younger. So my two granddads and, um, oh God, that is a hard question. Um, who else? I need to think of someone. I think it was heavily influenced me. Um, no, I just say two of my granddads. Yeah, no, it's that's a good answer. Yeah, I suppose um, it, it's funny just looking at all the different types of answers people have. Like um, for that question, I know it is it is kind of a bit of a random question, but uh, I, I think it says a lot about some people, the type of people they invite to their to dinner with, whether it's uh, family members or people they look up to, or even a lot of people have said fictional characters like Gandalf or Dumbledore or someone like that, which is funny. Um, so next question, I. Uh, 
what does success look like to you? Success is climbing the right mountain. So a lot of people, and I've done this myself more times than I can count, and that's why I can say it, is that a lot of people are climbing the wrong mountain, and by that I mean going after the wrong goals because they've got this idea that once they reach a certain level, everyone's going to tell them they're good enough and that's going to make them feel like they're good enough. So I've done that by chasing goals that weren't for me. They were so that, you know, my parents or, you know, relatives or friends would say, wow, Pat, you've made it. You've done great. But I've done those kind of goals sometimes and I've got there and people have told me that I'm great, but I haven't felt great myself because I've known that that wasn't the right amount for me. So success to me now is what do I truly want? And then it's the journey to getting there. So it's again, I don't want to jump to the top. I want to enjoy the process of, of taking the steps because your goals are a little bit like the horizon um, you can walk out to the horizon but the horizon is always going to move you're never actually going to get there you're never actually going to arrive at what you want so success to me is always moving in the direction of what you truly want no matter how slow that is no matter how bad the journey gets no matter how rough it is and um, that's what success is to me so getting up every morning and going after what you actually want oh okay, yeah that's a great answer um, just two more quick questions then before I let you go um, are there maybe two or three vital habits you'd recommend people implement on a daily basis uh, into their life? Yeah, I mean, the jur- I pushed the journaling thing in a big way because it's made a big impact to me. And what I, the reason that came about for me was that the last couple of years, I wanted to get really good at fitness and nutrition in terms of coaching. So I was reading books like a maniac, you know, two, three books a week, audio books, my house is full of books, which is great. And it's brilliant to educate yourself. But one of the things that you need to be wary of is we take on so much of other people's information that you can lose your own voice. And I found myself like speaking at public speaking events and every second thing I was saying was someone else's quote. And um, in a way you're kind of telling yourself that you're not good enough, that you need to rely on other people's stuff. So I like journaling because it's like you read a page of a book. This is like a new way of, of exploring will be like you pick up a book. Most of us are trying to get through the book as fast as possible because that's the world we live in. But like you pick up a book, pick a random page, read a paragraph, and then you get the journal out and say, how does this apply in my life? So if it's Richard Branson talking about, oh, I made all these, took all these risks and I got a great reward, I would write, when's the times in my life where I've taken risks and I've seen the reward? And so I have journaling, I'm big on. Um, just creating time for yourself is the biggest thing. So journaling, mm. uh, I like to have specific outcomes from my work day because the problem with work for a lot of people is they never switch off and because they don't define what will be a successful day. So I would say today, right, if I get my webinar done tonight and I spend two hours creating new content, that's my outcomes for the day. I can sleep easy knowing I've done that. But if I didn't have any parables as to, right, what needs to get done, then I could be awake all night thinking about them because your work's never going to end. So you need to put your own self in those deadlines and some form of exercise. Then will be the third thing, um, something you enjoy. Don't force yourself into the gym if you don't like the gym. But try to train every day. And that's just about we live in our heads so much that when you connect your connect back to your body, you can do amazing things. So journal, have outcome-based targets for your work and train consistently. Oh yeah, that's great. Especially for me, that's something I need to work on, the outcome of your day. That, as you said, it's, um, I tend to kind of, yeah, just keep working, working and not have that defined goal of a day. And sometimes, as you said, you're in bed thinking about things you, you should have done or you need to do the next day. So definitely going to try and implement that. In. Your productivity will skyrocket. Like one of the great things to do is on a Sunday evening, you would say, what's my one big thing I want to accomplish with my work this week? Like one thing. And I've overcomplicated this trying to do two things and 
nothing is done. So one big thing. So my one big thing this week is I'm going to design an online training course. Okay, what are four little steps to get in there? Okay, map out the content, do a day of filming, build a membership site, put it together. If that gets done, doesn't matter if everything else in your week went pear shapes. You got what you said you'd do done. If you do that for four months, that's 16 massive that moves forward with your business. That's how change happens. Definitely, yeah. Um, so just the last question here now. Uh, what are some, maybe one or two common attributes you've noticed over the years uh, from being around or observing successful people? Um, they, they, they fall in love with the journey. Um, my team for this year, I, I, I think it's an interesting one if, if the listeners maybe might take it on board as well. Is, um, like what is your theme? What is the hashtag or the prompt that you can pull up that brings you back to what matters? And one of my themes is be in the dance, which means be in the moment, be in the journey, be in the process. Forget about having the six pack, just think about enjoying the training. Forget about making the million, just think about adding value. Forget about, um, I don't know whatever it is, creating 10,000 customers, just focus on doing the best you can with your current customers. So one thing I see in successful people is like the Conor McGregor example. The reason Conor McGregor is doing everything he's doing now is because for the last 15 years, he's trained consistently every day um, and he's enjoyed the process of training because you can only do something you hate doing for so long before you pack it in. Um, so successful people learn to enjoy the process, learn to enjoy the struggle and the grind and see it as small daily steps. And the second one would be they're clear on where they're trying to go. So they're not scrolling through news feeds, deciding what their goals are based on what everyone else is doing. They're just slowing down, taking a walk and figuring out what matters to me and, and then, you know, acting appropriately. Oh, yeah. It's great. Great way to end the, the podcast there. I suppose just I know you're extremely busy, so sorry we went a bit over time, but I uh, really appreciate you coming on. I, I know I got a lot out of it. So do you have any maybe parting advice or words for listener, listeners? No, I, look, I just say well done to you for, for doing a podcast because it's you putting yourself out there the same way that we're talking about doing it. And uh, the advice for the listener would just be... Um, yeah, there's, there's something as you listen to this that you know you'd like to do or you, you need to do that your heart is telling you to do and your head is telling you not to. Uh, your head is trying to keep you where you are. And just take some small steps. So don't overwhelm yourself trying to go crazy. But I'll give you an example of the last retreat that I ran. Uh, one of the activities we did was salsa dancing. And uh, one of the girls that attended said, I haven't done salsa dancing in 10 years. I loved it. She went home and started doing salsa lessons. And that makes her a better mother. It makes her a better wife. It makes her a better employee. It changes her whole life. Um, but it was a simple change. So she didn't overwhelm herself trying to quit her job and move to Cuba to be a salsa dancer. She just said, once a week, I'm going to go salsa dancing. I've gone back to jiu-jitsu the last six months. It makes me a better friend, a better boyfriend, a better son, everything else. Um, so do something for you. Um, listen to your heart and uh, it'll reap rewards in all areas. Oh, powerful advice there. Um, so just as a last aside, where's the best place that people can find more about you, what you do, whether it's your, your books, your social media, your courses, etc.? Um, my website is a bit all over the place at the moment, but if people go to patdibbley.com, D-I-B-I-L-L-Y.com, I do have a 30-day journaling course that people can take part in where I give you a video and a topic every day for 30 days. So if the journaling stuff I talked about today resonates with people, that would be an interesting place to start. And aside from that, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, just Pat Dibley, D-I-B-I-L-L-Y. 
Oh yeah, definitely check out Pat. You know he's got unique content. You know on a regular basis, he's not kind of rehashing the same things over and over again, which some people might do. So uh, thanks again, Pat, for coming on the show. Thanks, Andy. Thanks again for listening to episode eight of the podcast with Pat Dibley. I know I seem to be saying this every week, but it was an episode I personally got a lot out of. Um, There's a lot of different questions that Pat posed that, you know, provoked a lot of thoughts. So hopefully you got a similar response out of it. Um, Just in terms of the support, the podcast we get, and thanks again for everything, you know, all the likes, the shares, the the raise on iTunes, all means a lot. And if you know somebody who would benefit from this episode specifically, be great if you could refer them on to this this episode and hopefully it could help them as well if you got something out of it so thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you next week take care <laughs>